Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. We are less than a week out from the start of NBA free agency, which means the LeBron Watch 2018 is now in full effect. Now, how full is that effect? I can help you with that. It is so full that people are losing their damn minds over LeBron changing his Twitter avatar and his banner. Now, the avatar was changed to a different photo of him from back in the day, and the Twitter banner now reps Akron in a big way. Uh-oh! Look out. Akron. Akron. All right, so let me start right there. Exactly what does that mean? What is he trying to tell us? Internet PIs lost their bleep. They went crazy. I mean, exactly what does that mean? Does it mean that he loves Akron so much that he's going to stay in Cleveland? Or is LeBron saying he's from Akron and not Cleveland, so it's time to bounce again? Or is he saying that Akron will always be home, but that he has to go anyway? I don't know. People have not tripped this hard since LeBron retweeted a pic of Kyle Kuzma wearing a Nick Van Exel jersey to a game and then chased it with a tweet that read, Nick the Quick was an animal out there. Go check the highlights. Hey, look, it could mean something and it could mean nothing. What it really means is everybody is desperate to find out where this guy is going and they'll take any crumb that they can and they're going to treat that crumb like a meal. When it might mean nothing at all. The guy might just be trying to freshen up his social look. Then again, we know LeBron, right? And we know LeBron does everything for a reason. We know LeBron, and we know how smart LeBron is, and he knows something like that is going to produce the reaction that it did. Because, of course, it would. Especially when you have a fan base like Cleveland that is paranoid that he's going to leave again. And then you've got a fanatical fan base, like the one here in Los Angeles, that's holding its breath until he does arrive. So let me focus on Laker fan right now. Laker fan, how you feeling this morning? How are you doing? I ask because every single day, we are one day closer to your dream becoming a reality, or at least your latest dream. The previous dreams included Dwight Howard, LaMarcus Aldridge, Kevin Durant, Carmelo Anthony. Then you had the dreams of the SoCal guys, like James Harden and Russell Westbrook, and they're returning home. You know, your shattered dreams. Except LeBron, he's the new dream, right? And it's still alive. And Laker fans are going about it one of two different ways. They're either going to treat it like a no-hitter and not talk about it until it's over, or they're getting out their copies of The Secret. Yes, Laker fans can read. They're getting out their copies of The Secret, and they're trying to use the so-called law of attraction to will it into existence. Ask, believe, receive. If Laker fans act like LeBron is already a Laker, then he will become a Laker. All right, so good news, bad news. Good news, you actually do have a chance of getting LeBron. In fact, according to Las Vegas, you've got a very, very good chance. In fact, you are the heavy favorite, according to Vegas. Now, is that because Vegas has inside knowledge, or is it because that's where the money is flowing? That's a different story. But given that in a previous time as a free agent, LeBron wouldn't even take a meeting with the Lakers, the fact that Vegas thinks that there's a good chance that he'll be a Laker, 
has Laker fans trying to figure out where to slam a fifth and sixth Laker flag to their rig. That's the good news. Vegas thinks he's coming. Now let me hit you with some bad news. He might be coming, but he might not be bringing Paul George with him. According to crack NBA reporter Sam Amick, quote, there is pessimism in James's camp that George would leave Oklahoma City, end quote. Okay. Uh, oh! Uh-oh. All right. Okay, 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 Laker fan. All right. All right. Not positive, but not the end of the world. That's fine. No PG. That's fine because you still have Kawhi, right? Except there are multiple reports that say trading Kawhi to the Lakers is pretty much the last thing that the Spurs want to do. Uh, uh-oh. uh-oh! That's not great, Laker fan. That's not great at all. I mean, you were all set to not only get LeBron, but also two other all-NBA players, and this weekend would seem to dump a bucket of cold ice on all that. However, and this is what I love about Laker fan, they'll take that in the most sensible way possible, I'm sure. Laker fan's probably telling themselves something like, yeah, well, well, the reason PG is not coming to L.A., it's because the Lakers already have a deal in place to get Klay Thompson. And the Spurs are not going to trade Kawhi to the Lakers because the Lakers don't want Kawhi. They already are on the verge of getting Kevin Durant. You know, reasonable stuff like that. Laker fan stuff like that. You see, when it comes to Laker fans, here's what we're dealing with. I'm not so concerned about how they react to LeBron's decision. I'm worried that a bunch of them will collapse under the weight of their own crazy dreams before he even makes his announcement. Because Laker fans have not wanted anything this badly in a long time. LeBron James is their new Larry O'Brien, and the closer we get to that becoming real, the more insane Laker fan gets. Laker fan will go Laker fan. One more week, Laker fan. One more week. And if you really want this to happen, you'll find a way to jam as many Laker flags into your rig as you can. Get a fifth one in there. Get a sixth one in there. Keep telling yourself it'll happen, and it might. We are joined right now by Mo Bamba. Mo, it's so good to have you on. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing? Good, Mo. I'm great. It's great to visit with you. Let me start first with the fact that you're from Harlem. So what was it like to be back in New York for the draft and then to hear your name called number six overall? Is there any way to describe what that night was like? Um, you know, it's still kind of as, as a, about a, a week removed. And it's still kind of in awe that all of this was taking place. Like life has come back into full circle, like complete 360. You know, you, know, you start off your career your basketball here in Harlem and then to hear your name called on, on Thursday on stage back in the city after all of the traveling and after all of the experiences that I've been through it's just it's awesome you know you've got all the travel you've got all the experiences and everything you've been through your entire life so obviously you so badly want to know where you're going to go the magic I know for a fact were thrilled that you were still on the board at number six so what yeah. was your reaction when you heard your name called and found out you were going to Orlando it was it was awesome I mean I uh it, they they kind of ruined the surprise of it because a lot of cameras come over to you. And although there's still a little speculation behind you know, where am I going, but you know I know Orlando was an organization that that, that was that was very thrilled. They, they, their attention to detail in the in the pre-draft process was was second to none, and I just knew that, that this was going to be a great place to land. 
Mo Bamba joining us. You know, Mo, you met with them in Chicago for an interview, and Orlando's president of basketball operations, Jeff Weltman, said after you left, quote, we all looked at each other with our jaws dropped. We could not believe that kid. He's a very impressive young guy. He blew us away in Chicago, end quote. So what did you take away from that conversation with the Magic, and what kind of sense did you have about the organization? You know, it, it wasn't anything, like, crazy. It was just a formal conversation. They wanted to hear my story. They had their questions, obviously. And, you know, it, was, it wasn't it was just a, a one-way conversation. I was asking them questions about their organization and how they envisioned me and, you know, the, uh, I guess <laughs> I guess they really, they really enjoyed that. It was uh, pretty... Um, interactive hey mo i want to remind people that are listening right now that you just turned 20 last month yeah but uh, i mean you're really incredibly mature but you also understand that while you're approaching this with a great deal of enthusiasm that it is a business but you are approaching this with a great deal of maturity where's that maturity come from that perspective because you're you're wise beyond your years yeah well i I truly believe it, it comes from my parents just the way i was raised um, but it, uh, it also comes from, like, all the experiences that I had outside of New York. Obviously, Harlem shaped who I, who I was as a young man growing up in Harlem. You, you, you're, you're forced to grow up faster, much faster than, than kids anywhere else. But going to Cardi and going to West Town and going to Texas has all, you know, added this level of com- complexity to my character and personality. Hey, Mo, what was it like growing up in Harlem? It was, I loved it. I mean, I, I remember I was walking like a year or two ago, I was walking in the in the streets with, with a couple of my friends and I was just like, and I finally had gotten back from school and I was just like, man, I wouldn't rather be from any, from anywhere else. It's just, I don't know, just, just the, the history of it, the, the impact that I've had on my community since I was younger. It's just, I wouldn't rather be from anywhere else. And then when I look at your game on the floor, you already are an incredible defensive presence to the point that you've already been frequently compared to Rudy Gobert, which is incredibly high praise. In fact, what do you think when you hear that comparison? I, that, that means people think very highly of me because Rudy is a guy who, who, who is honestly probably going to be defensive player of the year, and we'll find that out tonight. But he's a guy who has who impacts the game in in a way that no one else impacts it. And if I can be compared to him, and and they, people see this in my game, then then that, it, it means the world to me. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. HelloFresh believes that cooking should be simple and convenient and not a chore. All the ingredients come pre-measured in handy labeled meal kits so you know which ingredients go with which recipe. You will not spend all night in the kitchen because the recipes only take about 30 minutes and delivered right to your door in recyclable insulated packaging. Lots of one-pot recipes for seriously speeding cooking and minimal cleanup. Cooking becomes something you actually want to do when you get home from work. There are many benefits to subscribing, so you can keep enjoying HelloFresh week after week. Spend less time meal planning and grocery shopping each week and get that time back to do more of what you love. Get out of the recipe rut and start cooking outside your comfort zone by discovering new, delicious recipes in each week's box. Your account is so easy to manage with the ability to choose your delivery date to match your ever-changing schedule and pause deliveries for when you're on vacation. My family and I are absolutely blown away by HelloFresh. Blown away by the quality of the ingredients and blown away by how easy it all is. You want to move on this right now. 
for $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com and enter the promo code DAILYJUNGLE30. Once again, HelloFresh.com and enter the promo code DAILYJUNGLE30. You will not believe how good these meals are. Mobamba joining us. All right, then at the same time, it's not like you're just going to be happy being just a great defensive presence. You've been working on your outside shot. And when asked about that, you said, quote, I mean, have you seen the direction of the league? End quote. And I love that response. So when you look at the way the game is played right now, how important is it then to be somebody who can impact the game on both ends? It's very important, but that's not something that you want to – it's very important, and I think that's something I'm going to be able to, to, to debut and show early, very early on in my, in my career. But there's a couple areas where I wanted to work on as well and, that, and, and, and kind of master before you know, I really stretch my game out there. At the same time, I know you've been putting in a lot of work since the end of the season. I mean, you've been doing lots of things. In fact, everything from yoga to boxing on the beach to speeding up the release on your jumper. So give me a yeah. sense. How much better are you as a player right now than you were even at the end of the season? I'd say if you went to, if you went to jail at the end of the at the end of my um my Texas run and you came out um in the beginning of uh and you came out literally Thursday night on a draft I'd say you 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 you'd see me play and you think I was a completely different person just based off of just the confidence of how the confidence and the understanding of how much I studied the game and how much you know more how much more feel it's added to my game since you know we talked about the comparison to Rudy Gobert also the word unicorn gets used when describing you and your game. You know, the idea of a big man who's a force not only on defense, but somebody who can hit a step-back jumper. What do you make of that? Do you like that title, Unicorn? Is it something that you embrace? Absolutely. Um, it means that you're doing something at a level that no one's ever seen, hence why they're calling you a unicorn. Also, you've gone to the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference at MIT two years in a row. Let me ask you about that. What made you want to go there, and what have you taken away in those two trips from that conference? Well, I never really knew what analytics were and how they kind of correlated to, to on-court production. And I thought, you know, what other better time to go than, than, and what other better platform to be at to hear about analytics and how much how meaningful they are to sports than the Sloan Conference itself. And, you know, just going was pretty eye-opening. Going was pretty eye-opening, and um, I, I don't regret going at all. Before I let you go, I want to ask you about your teammate, sophomore guard Andrew Jones. And I bring this up because he was diagnosed with leukemia, and that's the kind of news that you would never expect to hear about a teammate. So what was it like going from practicing with him one day to him suddenly not being there the next day? Andrew was such an electrifying person that he'd FaceTime in before practice and, and just boost everyone's confidence and everyone's ego. So it really felt as if he was there. The whole entire time. So earlier this month, he was cleared to enroll in online classes, to move into a dorm. So how proud are you of how he's dealt with his challenge? Super proud of him. He called me on Thursday night just to tell me how proud he was of me and how much he loved me. And, you know, I just can't wait to see to see him come back and, and make these strides and to hopefully be in the green room someday. What a good dude. Hey, listen, last he's thing, a before, dude. he's a great dude, right? Before the draft, yeah. I mean, he's calling you and telling you he's thinking about you when he's dealing yeah. with what he's dealing with. That's a great dude. Before I the know. draft, there was growing buzz on Twitter from people who wanted you to wear number five because that would allow everybody to sing Bomba number five. You're going to be wearing number five with the Magic. So what went into that decision? 
Um, you know, number five was a number that I wanted at Texas, but Royce Ham beat me to it, so I kind of just was going to play him one-on-one for it, but he, he chickened out. But, uh, <laughs> right. but um, you know, number five is, was, was actually, you know, if I didn't get number one, if I didn't get number 11, um, I actually wanted to be number five simply because Kevin Garnett wore number five, and he was one of my favorite players. Hmm. What would you like about his game and his mentality? Just that, that you, you said it yourself, his mentality and his, the intensity that he brought on the floor. The Monday version of the Daily Jungle Podcast is brought to you by Fan Exchange. Clones, how was your weekend? Here's a pro tip. You can make this upcoming one even better by going to Fan Exchange right now. Bust on over to FanExchange.com for a safe, easy, and reliable experience. A great experience. Tickets purchased on Fan Exchange are always guaranteed. There's no getting to the gate and then worrying about getting in. Fan Exchange gets you closer to the action. Find the very best seats at the best prices at FanExchange.com. Use the promo code ROME. Again, Promo code Rome and get 50% off the service fees on your next purchase. Fan Exchange, we have tickets. The late, great Thomas Earl Petty was fond of saying, the waiting is the hardest part. But today the wait is now officially over because today the results for the National Radio Hall of Fame vote are in. And we did first start talking about the National Radio Hall of Fame about six weeks ago when I announced at that time that I had been honored and humbled to be nominated for the Hall of Fame. So we ramped up. In fact, we all ramped up together. We ramped up together. We spread the word together. We campaigned together. We voted together. We went to battle together. And then we waited for the results together. And so right now, today, together, we take a dignified loss. And we do so together. It did not happen, clones. Now, we fought hard. We gave it everything we had. There simply is nothing to be ashamed of, nothing to hold to not hold your head up about. Because I saw the effort put forth. I saw how much you all wanted it for me and for the program, and I know exactly what you did. You could not have done any more. So it's with that news I want to congratulate Mark Levin on his induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame. He received the most votes in our category and will represent the spoken word format in the class of 2018. It's an enormous honor and one that Mark and his audience should be very proud of. And I'm sure they are. I also want to take a moment and congratulate George Norrie and Joe Madsen for their nominations. It was an honor to be in the same group as these three industry titans. I look forward to many more years of sharing that platform with them. Now, clones, I'm seeing some of your mentions on Twitter, and I know a lot of you are very disappointed. I know some of you are actually mad. Some of you may even be in shock or even waiting for me to say that this is some kind of joke, but it's not. I mean, we lost. We got beat. But I want to take this opportunity to be real with you for a moment. I want to take an opportunity to tell you what I saw and what I experienced over the last six weeks. The first thing that I want to make very clear is that your efforts were not unnoticed and were not in vain. For the last month and a half, my Twitter mentions, my email box have been busting with the kind of love and support that you only get at your own funeral. You clones could not have done a better job of picking me up. You could not have done a better job of banging the hell out of the ballot box on my behalf. 
You got your coworkers involved. You taped signs to your car. You called into other programs. You left me voicemails. You voted, and you voted again and again. And then you got other people to vote. Trust me, I saw it all, and I will never forget it. You gave it everything you had. But for many of you, in fact, I would say for many of you, it seemed like it meant as much to you as it did to me. For some of you, it seemed like it may have meant even more. And as long as we're being real, it meant a hell of a lot to me. I mean, I'm going to be very real about this. I wanted to get in. I still want to get in. But listen, we ran a hell of a race. And if we're being honest... It was going to be a brutal fight going up against these kind of audiences that these other hosts have. This is what I meant. I think that some of you, some of you kind of assumed, hey, we got this, Rome. This is going to be easy. I don't even really know any of the guys you're running against, and I can appreciate that. I understand why you felt that way, but I knew. I knew it was going to be tough. But the thing is, none of that takes away from your effort and your support and how hard you went for me and how hard you went for the show. So know that. Know that. Because on a day when we all feel disappointed, you have to know how much it means to me that you went as hard as you did for the last month and a half. In fact, really, never mind the last five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. I appreciate that more than anything else. I just need for you to know how much I appreciate it. And the next thing I want to say is, it does matter to me. Getting into the Radio Hall of Fame matters to me. If it didn't matter to me, I would not have gone as hard as I did to try to make it happen. So yes, it stings. I feel it. The XR4TI feels it. We all love this show. We all work really hard on the show. And we're not in it for the recognition, but you can damn well bet that if we're nominated, we're going to try to get it. So yes, we're disappointed. Because as I said from day one, there would be nothing more gratifying than pushing this show into the Hall of Fame and all of us doing it together. And for at least this year, we don't get to do that. It didn't happen. But just because it didn't happen this year doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. And I want to tell you that it matters to me and to the crew. And I don't want you to think that I asked for your help and that it didn't matter because it did. It did. We want this badly, and I know you wanted it badly for me in the program, and I appreciate it. And lastly, I want to say that there is no finality in this. Understand this. Not getting in this year doesn't mean that we won't be nominated again. And if we're lucky enough to hit the ballot again, who's to say that it won't happen then? I'm not one to back down from a fight. I know you clones aren't either. Next time we get this opportunity, we battle again. We attack it again. And speaking of attacking it, do not get the Hall of Fame nomination And induction, possibly confused, with retirement. This isn't baseball. This is radio. This is my life. This is my passion. I'm not going anywhere. Nothing about being nominated means I'm looking for an off-ramp. They can go ahead and rip this mic out of my freaking hands. I'm not going anywhere. The jungle has never been stronger. I've never been more motivated. And the Hall of Fame, to me, is not a destination. It's a landmark along the way. And if it happens, great. If it doesn't, great. I'm still going to battle every single day for as long as I possibly can. So we've got some unfinished business to attend to. And part of that business would include this. Now, I did say a few weeks back that if I got in, I would meet several of your demands. The demands that I pulled from the box of chaos. 
Right. And listen, by the way, if you want to respond to what happened, you go right ahead. You know where to find me. Hit me up on Twitter. We could talk about this. We could talk about this, but understand I'm tipping my hat to the winner. I thank you, clones, for what you did. But life is about the scoreboard. And today we do not come out on the winning end, but it does not mean that we won't next time. But in the meantime, that box of chaos, remember that? Remember the demands that I said that I would meet if I got in? Well, I didn't get in. So, I'm not going to actually go through with those things. In fact, I said to you that if we don't get in, I'm going to run them all through a shredder. I went looking for the paper shredder, and apparently it took a header in the studio move eight months ago. It is now non-operational. And you want insult to injury. Not only do I not get in, but my paper shredder doesn't work. Tough morning, yo. However, the sentiment remains the same. So right now, live on our televised simulcast, I'm about to find seven silver linings in this defeat. For those that do not remember, I pulled seven of your demands from the box of chaos that I agreed to pay off in the event that we went into the Hall of Fame. But since it didn't happen, these are not going to happen either. So there is no shredder. I will shred them manually. Demand number one, remember this? Microwaving fish in the XR4TI control room. That's not happening. Silver lining number one. Silver lining number two. I said that if I went in, I would read every nausea tweet and email sent to me on a given day. That's not happening. Rest in peace. I know you wanted that one, clones. I think many of you wanted that more than you wanted me in the Hall of Fame. Demand number three. If you would have gotten me in, I would have paid for a bust of James Kelly's five head to sit in the studio Monday through Thursday since physically Friday is the only day he comes in. That's not happening. Now, this one I wanted to happen. A lot of those I didn't want to happen. But I said that if I got in, I would break out and bring back the tour stop. Another tour stop. Hate to say it, but that's not happening either. The one that I really wanted to have happen, and my little dude doesn't know about this yet. He doesn't know. It's going to be crushing. The one thing I really wanted to have happen, I wanted to sit in studio and co-host a segment with Logan Rome. Logan Rome. That breaks my heart. That hurts more than not getting in. The fact that the Logs, man, it's going to hurt to rip this one up. Logan and I are going to go to a pier and throw our dog tags off the pier together. We'll drop down. We'll sidearm them. And then we'll run in perfect form back to our car and cry. Much like we did when the outlaw did not run in perfect form at Santa Anita on Saturday. He and I ran back to our car and drove right to Benny Hanna's next door and drowned our sorrows in fried rice. And me, beer, him, Sprite. Logs and I had a great weekend despite the loss. I hate not to deliver on that. And that's going to hurt him more than it hurt me because he's been talking it up every single day. Hey, Dad, when's my segment? Something else I said that I would do. Grant a self-gloss Friday. A self-gloss Friday if you got me in. That's not happening. And last but not least... I said that if I got into the National Radio Hall of Fame, I would make James Kelly 
read mean tweets about his five head. That is happening. Well, we're doing that all right. We're definitely doing that. Listen, I can't let all that effort go for naught. You clones did show up. You did show out. And at the very least, we have to have a little bit of fun with this whole thing, right? Because you deserve it. So get your tweets and your emails ready because on Friday, the flight deck is going to dock it right here in studio and he is going to read them. I'm going to let that live. So seriously, seriously, clone, sincerely. I want to thank you all so much for everything you did for me. I mean, everything you do for me, to be sure. But especially everything that you did and as hard as you went for me and the show in the past six weeks. I mean, it was an awesome effort. Again, not to use a bad racing analogy, but we talk about this all the time. Sometimes you run a winning race. And I'm not going Dwight Howard with it. That's not what I mean. That's not like, notice I'm not saying, well, I'm still a champion or I'm still a Hall of Famer because I'm not. I'm not in. But sometimes you run your eyeballs out and it's just not enough. That's what we did. We ran our eyeballs out. We ran a great race. It just wasn't enough. But it was an amazing effort. And I love coming to work. I love grinding this thing out. And I love doing it for the best audience in the freaking world. You clones honestly are the best. And I can't say how much I appreciate it. Man, you went to battle. My peers in the industry that went to battle for me, the people who put me on their shows, everybody who took a run at this, thank you very much. And we're not done yet. I didn't get in this time. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to get in. Clones, I cannot wait to tell you about our brand new sponsor on our daily jungle podcast, Bespoke Post. Bespoke Post delivers a monthly themed box of awesome, full of goods to upgrade your style, apartment, and life. Style, grooming, cooking, drinking, or travel, Bespoke Post has new boxes every single month that you are guaranteed to be into. And there are no commitments. Bespoke Post lets you know which box they picked out for you on the first of each month, and you'll have five days to keep it, switch it, or skip it. Listen, there are a few perks that come along with hosting a podcast, but one of my favorites is getting hooked up with a box of awesome from Bespoke Post every single month. This month's box was a cocktail aging kit complete with a decanter, two glasses, and sticks of oak. Now, you know I love my magic blue, and I can't wait to run my bottle through this decanting kit this weekend. Each box goes for under 50 bucks, but has more than $70 worth of unique gear waiting inside for you. To receive 20% off your first subscription box, go to boxofawesome.com and enter the promo code ROME at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, promo code ROME for 20% off your first box. Once again, bespoke post, theme boxes for guys that give a damn. I love it. You will too. He was the 119th pick overall in 2017, and he is hosting the Tariq Cohen Camp at Aggie Stadium in Greensboro, North Carolina on July 14th. Tariq, nice to have you on the program. How are you? How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. It's good to have you on. Good to run you down. So you're coming off a rookie season where you did a little bit of everything, as I mentioned, and you put up some really nice numbers. How different then does it feel to be entering your second season when you've already got a year under your belt? Uh, I feel way more comfortable. You know, it's like uh, I don't have to be nervous anymore. I really know what I'm getting myself into now. So I'm just ready to get back at it, you know, and get another crack at this thing. 
All right, so you didn't get a lot of hype coming out of college, but people who know the game knew that if you got a shot, you were going to make an impact. When you look back on last season, where was there that welcome to the NFL moment in the sense that you realized, man, I can not only play in this league, but I might be able to be a special player in this league? I feel like it really was uh, in the preseason during the Arizona Cardinals game. Uh, I, I did pretty good that game. I had like seven carries for 70-something yards. Uh, then... But I wasn't even supposed to, like, start that game. Jordan had got poked in the eye, so then he didn't make the game. He had to go to the, uh, the optometrist, I think. And then uh, they told me I was going to start like, right before the game. So I was I was so nervous. <laughs> and I got in the game. I did well. So I felt like I really, you know. And then I was going against the ones when I got in the game. So I was like, yeah, I, I, I probably could make an impact in this league. Tariq Cohen joining us. You know, it's a really honest answer. You know, but last year, you know how this goes too, right? You were able to surprise some people, but now everybody knows. Now everybody can adjust and scheme for you. So how do you go about taking your game to the next level to make sure that you're adjusting ahead of the people who are trying to adjust back to you? I feel like it's all about doing more, you know, because uh, people are going to be game plan for me more. I have to, you know, go about my work really more uh, harder. So... I have to prepare better, I have to work out harder, you know, take practice serious, more seriously, and just uh, try to get better every day uh, than what I was last time. Now your new head coach, Matt Nagy, has been pretty excited when he talks about you and how he wants to run you inside and outside, have you catch passes out of the backfield, have you in pass protection, split you out wide. What do you make of the offense so far, and how much fun are you having in that new system? I feel like the offense is great. You know, it's, uh, it's similar to the, some of the stuff I did in, high, in college. You know, we have some, a lot of RPOs going in. And then uh, I feel like if uh, if I could kick the football, he also want me to kick the football too, you know. Great. It just goes to show uh, how many places he has me at. You know, I've been everywhere. I've uh, been in every position. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, for sure. If he's going to let you kick the football, you've got to. Now I'm looking at what you have around you, and I see Eddie Jackson, and I see Spice Adams, and they were talking recently about locker room basketball. You know, for those who don't know, what is locker room basketball like, and who's the best player that that team has? All right, so we have uh, we have like a little basketball goal set up in our locker room. You know, it's a running joke right now. It's uh, just because I'm the shortest player, like it's the perfect goal for me. But uh, that's why they say that I'm the uh, the best on the court. But they just mad because can't nobody check me on that court, and my jumper is really the best in the locker room. Yeah, right. Now these guys were both saying that you talk a lot of trash, but you back it up. Except the height of the locker room hoop is like a regulation hoop for you. That's them, not me. In fact, Spice said that you are, and these words are his words, not mine, that you're statue-sized, quote, like the dude you put on a cake, end quote. I mean, that's kind of cold. What's your reaction when you hear that? Uh, I just laughed at it. Spice has never uh, picked up the basketball when he's been in the locker room. He's just a talker. He don't, he, I don't think he ever wants to do that in the locker room. I have, I have him looking silly in there. Dude, is there any way at all that Spice or E-Jack could take you in basketball? Oh, no, definitely not. Eddie, Eddie really don't shoot the basketball either. He, he, I think his locker is like the farthest from the basketball zone. All right, so one guy doesn't pick up the basketball. The other guy doesn't shoot the basketball. There's no way they're going to take you. But let's go a little bit deeper. Could either of these guys beat you in Fortnite? Better yet, is there anybody in that locker room that can beat you at Fortnite? No, I don't think so. It's, a, it's the people that's good, though, like... Uh, He's real good. Adam Shaheen, he's good also. And then I play with Benny Cunningham and Taekwondo Montanel. So, you know, from them picking up, uh, me, so I, uh, they like, I'm like the master. They're like the students. That's <laughs> great. I don't know, man. Judging by the, in, the number of hours my 13-year-old logs on Fortnite, he could probably hold his own. 
but I get it. They're the, you're the master, they're the students. Now, the other day you were also tweeting about getting stuck in some pretty bad traffic, and you tweeted, quote, I need a monster truck, end quote. I like that take. How bad was the traffic? And if you need a monster truck, you know, how do you roll? Do you start driving over the other cars? Was that your way, to handle, your way of handling the traffic? I feel like that would be the best way to handle that traffic, especially when you're in a rush. Because <laughs> I was trying to get to the airport. So it was like, and I think, uh, I think it, it would take an hour from downtown for me to get over here. And I was just stuck in traffic going 10 miles per hour. So, yeah, I was just frustrated. Wait, listen, I had I a lot of time to tweet. Yeah, no, I grew up, yeah, right, exactly, frustrated and a lot of time to tweet. And having grown up in Los Angeles around the traffic, I'm always looking for an angle. I'm always looking for an edge, and that might be it. Listen, also, when the tornadoes hit an elementary school in Greensboro, North Carolina, you started reaching out to people to figure out ways that you could help out. There are a lot of things that you could be doing in the off season. Why was that something that was so important to you that you wanted to do? Uh, because, you know, being, uh, being here in Greensboro for about five years, you know, I've really grown a liking to the people, and uh, they just support me so well. So I feel like when something happened here uh, and that and that sort, I feel like I had to uh, give back, you know, and that I'm in a position to help. So that's what I have to do. Right, so to that point, the elementary school lost most of its phys ed, phys ed equipment. So about a week and a half later, you arrived with boxes and boxes of basketballs, footballs, jump ropes, and more. What did it mean to you to be in that position where you could give back? Uh, it means everything, you know. I feel like uh, – this is what, uh, like, I'm supposed to do. Uh, being in this position and being able to give back, you know, it's great uh, to do that. And just just to see the, the kids' faces when I came in there, you know, doing all the Fortnite dances with them, uh, just giving them their PE equipment uh, back. Because I know PE is a big thing in school. So I know it was a big thing for me. So just to be able to do that was a, was a great thing. Good for you. So as part of giving back, you're also hosting the Tariq Cohen camp. It's on July 14th at Aggie Stadium in Greensboro. What's it mean to you to be able to go back to your college and to host a camp? Uh, that, that really means a lot because uh, growing up, I never went to any camp. So I know uh, for some kids, this might be like the first time they meet a professional athlete. And uh, just to show them, you know, they probably see my size and be like, oh, yeah, I can do it too. So just to be that guy, and just uh, give them hope. You know, it's great. It's Rick, one last thing. I've always said this about Chicago. I mean, it's, it's a great town. It's an amazing town, but it's a really, really good sports town. And if you do something significant there, I would argue that it's almost not like doing it anywhere else. That in Chicago, man, they understand their athletes, their sports. They love it. Do you have a sense that what that stage is like? That if you accomplish something great there, what it would mean to do it there as opposed to other towns? I definitely have that sense. Uh, it goes back to, uh, say, like, when I scored a touchdown in overtime against the Steelers, the stadium was just rocking. Like it was the loudest uh, environment I ever been in, and uh, I could just feel the energy. I just, and then the uh, the fans really liked me just off that one play. So I know if I have like a whole a great complete season, just uh, what could, what it could mean for me, you know, and being liked by Chicago. The countdown clock is now under four weeks to the start of Smack Off 2018. Less than a month from now. We will be celebrating the greatest day on the jungle calendar, and we will be crowning another jungle king, another king or queen of the jungle. The Smack Off Day, as you know, is the day for the best of the best. Being good enough is not good enough for Smack Off callers, and it's not good enough for me. Good is the enemy of great. So, the day that I stop trying to think of ways to make the smack off better is the day that I stop doing the smack off. There have been very subtle tweaks along the way. And as I mentioned on Friday, with this being the first smack off in the new studio, 
the first smack off on television. I've been thinking about another potential tweak. I've given this considerable thought. I'm about to announce it right now. In fact, it's more than a tweak, frankly. Alvin, if I'm going to announce this, can you help me announce it the right way? Clones, for the 2018 Smack Off, nothing is off limits. Nothing, run it again, Alvin. Nothing is off limits. Nothing. Nothing except for the studio. There will be no studio stormings this year. Nobody can bum rush the studio. Nobody can rush up into the studio. No callers will be allowed to enter the studio or the premises during the smack-off. Not only that, but a studio storming will end in an automatic DQ, automatic disqualification. Now, you can call this the left in Laguna rule if you'd like. He did change the game with a pair of legendary calls, but the game does not stop. The smack-off does not remain static. It's always evolving. It's always growing. It's not a rule designed to ban left from the studio. It's a rule designed to ban everybody from the studio. I want to ensure that we have a level playing field. Call it the left and Laguna rule if you want, but it's not designed to ban every or him from the studio. It's designed to ban everybody from the studio because the fact of the matter is, I know there were some of you who were looking at what he did and you looked at it a couple of different ways. One, you thought it wasn't fair. I've heard that complaint. Number two, you thought, well, if I can't beat him, I've got to join him. And if that's what it takes to win, I think I better roll up on that studio too. And frankly, I didn't want a bunch of you rolling up on my studio. So either some of you do or none of you do. So going forward, none of you do. Now, this is important. Some of you have already, and now more than even before, now that we have this rule, we'll try and drop an asterisk on left. Like he only won because of that. No, he didn't. His calls were good enough. The calls were good enough. I'm not going to say that that didn't help because it did, but the content of the calls would have been good enough to carry the day. But most of all, now we find out. Now we find out if he is, quote, a gimmicky little bitch or if he can do it. Now, I wonder about Lef. I don't know what he was going to do to try to three-peat. I don't know if he had that thing planned and in store once again. But I'm curious to see what his reaction is going to be. And I'm curious to see what the reaction is going to be of all of you who cried, fix, or it's unfair, or we can't get in that studio. He did. Well, he can't now. So are you still coming in? And I don't mean coming in studio. I mean coming in the day of the smack off. That's it. There you have it. No studio stormings in 2018. No studio stormings. Nobody comes in. Just me and the XR4TI. 
What are your thoughts? What are you, what's your reaction? Do you like the rule? What's it mean for the smack off in less than a month? First tweet through. At soup grows cold. Left is screwed. I don't know. I don't know that he is. I can't wait to see how he reacts. I can't wait to see how he reacts because I haven't spoken to him, so I don't know what the hell he has in store. But he's got to react and he's got to adjust, maybe. Or maybe as it relates to him, it doesn't impact him at all. Maybe he wasn't coming in this time. I have no idea. I just know this. Nobody's coming in this time. Michael Porter Jr. is my guest. Michael, it is really nice to have you on. How are you? I'm doing really good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Michael, nice to hear your voice. Let me first ask you, what was that moment like when you heard your name called and you knew finally where you were going to live, where you were going to work, and that you were going to be a member of the Denver Nuggets? It was a surreal moment. You know, it's a moment I've been dreaming for ever since I was a little kid. So, you know, um, Denver wasn't the place I expected to be, uh, you know, drafted by, but when I, when I heard my name and I figured I'd be living in Denver, I, I was so excited. I've been here a couple of times, and I love the city, and it feels like the perfect place for me. Michael Porter Jr., my guest. All right, so you'll get a better sense once you get there and you see what it's like, but you're going to join a Nuggets team that has improved every single season that Michael Malone has been in charge and just missed making the postseason last year. So how excited are you about the future of this team and how good it might be? I think it's, I think it's amazing. I think we have great pieces, and I think this young team is going to continue to get better. I feel like I fit perfectly with this team because, you know, they love to score. They love to get up and down. Um, and they got some great guards and they got a great center, you know. I feel like I fit in perfect and uh, it's a really unselfish group of guys, so I'm happy to be a part of it. Denver Nugget, Michael Porter Jr. joins us. Now, going to the draft, there was talk that you might be going very early and then you had to wait it out for a bit. It can be really stressful and really uncomfortable, but from where I'm sitting, it seemed like you handled that very, very well. What were you thinking and feeling as teams chose other players instead of you? Honestly, um, you know, I got a great agent, so I knew the ballpark. The week before, um, before I had that little hip spasm, um, you know, the team's at the very top of the draft. told me I was their guy. So I was going to go very early, and I knew that. And then I had the hip stuff, and some of the teams at the very top got, got a little scared. Then, you know, once one team gets a little scared, then, then a lot of them do. So um, my agent kind of knew in the ballpark where I was going. Um, and so I wasn't very surprised. But at the same time, you know, um, it's it's definitely stressful sitting at that table. You know, Michael, you did a really nice job of laying that out. I mean, you dealt with that back injury in college, and then you had that hip situation right before the draft, and that caused teams to be a little bit concerned. A lot of guys, though, in your situation, despite who their agent might be, still might have been angry or upset about how it played out. But you told Matt Norlander, quote, I don't feel entitled to this. All of this is a blessing, end quote. It's a really remarkable attitude to have on a tough night. So where does that come from, and how do you view that night as a blessing? Honestly, so like I said before, um, well, first of all, I, I, I think that everything happens for a reason. You know, I'm a firm believer in that. So that, that hip thing that happened to me, it was at the absolute worst timing because I had another pro day a couple days after that. And, you know, I, was, I had been feeling great for a month, working out super hard, like three hours a day. Um, and then that happened. And that sent me back in the draft. And the way I looked at it is, like, instead of being mad about it, I was just like, maybe that team that I was going to go to really high in the draft wasn't the right situation for me. It wasn't going to develop me right. And I wasn't going to, you know, succeed 
as I would in a different situation. So that's how I viewed it. And if I slipped to a team that wasn't at the top of the draft, I just thought that, you know, that's where I was supposed to be and that's where I was going to develop best and my career was going to be better suited there. So that's how I viewed it. Michael Porter Jr., my guest. All right, so Michael, the process has been really interesting. The journey's been really interesting. At this time last year, you were the National Player of the Year in high school. You were headed to Missouri. Then you suffered that back injury, and you end up playing only three games in college. Obviously, that's not the way you want things to go this past year, but what did you learn about yourself along the way and over the past year? Um, I learned a lot. You know, I kind of grew up as a, as a, as a young man. Um, it's hard going through adversity, but, you know, I've been through it now. Um, there was a time in my life where, uh, I've said this before, I kind of took the elevator. You know, I was like ranked 25th, I think, in eighth grade. And then I steadily just went up, 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 up till I'm the number one player in the country. Never had any problems, never had any, you know, issues. Life was easy. And then I had that adversity. So I think going through that really prepared me for, for you know, stuff later in life. Um, you know, there's going to be adversity in the league. And it really also helped me become uh, solid as who I am as a person and not be able to easily be shaken by that. So it was good for me. You know, I like that elevator analogy a lot. Do you think maybe, time will tell, but do you think maybe that as tough as that was to go through, you're going to end up being a better player and a better person because of what you had to go through? No doubt, man. I think it was all part of my plan. And it's like I was, it's definitely different than most, most guys. You know, um, I was the wild card that you have. Didn't know where I was going to go. But at the end of the day, I'm going to be fine and I'm going to be better than ever. And, you know, it's, it's, all, it's going to be all good for me. So, Michael Porter Jr., my guest. You know, your father, Michael Sr., was an assistant at Missouri. So what was it like to play for him and have him along with you on this journey? It was, it was good. My dad was the one that put the ball in my hand at, at three years old, and he's been, he's been there with me throughout it all, you know, through the ups and downs. And he, he's not one that cares about basketball. I mean, he wants me to be as good as I can be, but he cares about me as a person far more. So to have him um, there with me, the whole way has been great. You know, Michael, you came back at the end of the season and you played 51 minutes in a couple of postseason games. At that time, it seems to me you were not necessarily all the way back. There was a chance that you could even re-injure yourself. The safer move would have been not to play, but you were insistent. You really wanted to. Why was it so important for you to get back out there? Um, honestly, it was just for my teammates. You know, we, uh, we had made the tournament, but we had suffered a lot of injuries. Jordan Barnett was out. Um, he couldn't play because of some, some stuff that happened on campus. Um, we had a couple other players hurt out for the season. So we only had six players on scholarship going into the tournament. And, you know, I didn't know how much of a difference I would make at that point because, obviously, I was not back at all, um, feeling great at all. But, uh, you know, I just did it for my teammates, and I wanted to do what I could do to help. Now, Michael, you and Trey Young are friends, and he took a little bit of heat for that suit on draft night, right? How do you feel about that suit short look that he was rocking uh <laughs> nah i thought it, i thought it was funny you know that's that's such a trade thing to do uh you know he swears he's a trendsetter but no that's my guy and it was, it was funny dude it was really funny and that seemed like a trade i don't know him like you do but that seemed like a trade thing to do man hey look you can do it right as long as you can back it up you can do it but you know on a serious note in the two weeks before the draft both of you were getting a lot of attention as to where you might end up what kind of conversations did the two of you have during that time and how helpful was it to have somebody that you were tight with going through the same experience that you were going through yeah it was it was great you know me and Trey are really good friends and to be able to go through all this together has been awesome you know we'd face time talking about what shoe what shoe company we were going to sign with, where we wanted to go, you know, what workouts we had coming up, all that kind of stuff we talked about. 
Um, so, it, I mean, he's one of my best friends, and it's cool going through this with him. Um, and I think that we both landed in great situations for us. And Michael, let me finally ask you this. Since you and I just spent a few minutes talking to each other, I think I can really pose this question, and you'll understand where I'm coming from, or others would. Before the draft, you were on with my guy, D.A., and you were asked about the players that you get compared to, and you said KD and the Greek Freak, and then people ran with it like you were saying that you think you are KD or the Freak, and that you've got this huge ego. I'm very clearly talking to you right now, I can see that's not where you were going, but the question people were asking was to get who you thought you might be compared to. Was there a party that was thinking, now wait a minute, that's not what I said, but if I'm going to compare myself or model my game after somebody, why wouldn't I want it to be two of the best in the game in KD and the Freak? Man, that's exactly how I was thinking about it. Like, that. I mean, the question was, who do other people compare you to? And I said, you know, other people compare me to KD, you know, Tracy McGrady, sometimes some of the Greek freak. I know, by no means was trying to say I'm at that level yet. You know, I can't skip steps and I, I'm going to work hard to eventually be better than all those guys. But, you know, I'm not there yet. Um, and, you know, they, the... The media kind of took that and ran with it, but it's all good. Uh, people will understand that that's, that's not me. I'm not an arrogant kid. The more I'm in front of the camera and everything, so. Okay, you know what's tough about that, Michael, is it's like I want to say lesson learned, but at the same time, that's not what you were saying. I would hate for athletes to stop saying anything at all because they're afraid that it's going to get twisted or misconstrued or they're going to have to double back. I mean, it was a really innocuous kind of innocent answer, right? I mean, are you going to change the way? Was that lesson learned for you, or are you just going to keep doing what you're doing? Um, in a way, it was a lesson learned just because with the media, I always try to be super friendly and right. like, answer all their questions thoroughly. But after that, you know, there was a part of me that was like, man, like, I, I'm just going to be short and concise and not even like go there with, with media anymore and not, you know, give full answers. But then I just kind of thought, you know, I'm going to just be careful with what I say, make sure people understand where I'm coming from and uh, try to be as humble as possible. Let's go to the phones very quickly. We go to Calgary. Bob in Calgary. I know that name. I know that name, and I'm not sure why I know that name. You know, clones, don't take it the wrong way, but some of you, some of you start to run together. I'm not sure why I know that name, but I know that name. Bob in Calgary. Bob in Calgary. Yeah, what the hell? We'll find out sooner or later. In fact, we'll probably find out right now. Bob in Calgary. Hey, Bob, how are you? Good. How are you, Rome? Good. Hey, if Sarah Jessica Parker does heroin, is she riding herself? That's how I know that name. Exactly. The SJP guy. I'll never forget that guy again. Do you see what he did there? Good night now! How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love.